Hi, I'm Rob Holman, international speaker, best-selling author, and inside-out leadership catalyst. I'm on a personal mission to interview 12 of the greatest inside-out leaders in the world in 2021. These extraordinary leaders come from business, sports, politics, and entertainment who have faithfully demonstrated inspiration, humility, courage, perseverance, and servant leadership. Get ready and enjoy our next amazing episode of Inside Out Leadership. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you, Rob. Delightful to be here. Yeah, listen, I want to just dive in. I, I said this to you before the recording, and I'll say it again more publicly now. But I am one that some would call a serial entrepreneur. I've had the opportunity to start, uh, found or co-found nine organizations in the last 24 years. In my early 20s, I had two of those organizations, and I came across your work, and I read the book, E-Myth, revisited. And I got to be straight up with you. I first was hearing these words about the E-Myth philosophy and systems and everything like that. And I was a little like taken back, a little overwhelmed because I was like, this guy is the real deal. He knows what he's talking about, but it's not just some pie in the sky philosophy. It was grounded and rooted with practical tools and practical help. And listen, as a 20 something year old that I'm a visionary and I love to rally people. I love to get people on board. I needed exactly what you offered. So for that, I want to just publicly acknowledge that and say, thank you for your work that has impacted me personally, but millions of business owners and leaders like me all over the world. So thank you for that. My delight. Always yeah. my delight. Yeah. So, so here's a question. I want to go back in time a little bit, hit the rewind, rewind button a little bit. When you were a child in your upbringing, was there any specific like challenge that you had to overcome that's really helped shape you to have the influence that you have now? Now, what would you say to that? <laughs> I would say I doubt it, mm -hmm. um, candidly. Um, nothing comes to mind yeah. that said I had to overcome this um, other than um, studying the saxophone. Hmm with my um, saxophone teacher, Merle Johnston, who was among the top saxophone teachers on the planet. And Merle um, um, 
had his studio in Los Angeles, and I lived in Anaheim. And so I had been studying the saxophone with a student of Merle's when we lived in New Jersey. <laughs> and when we moved to Anaheim, that teacher connected with Merle and said, I'd love for you to meet this kid because he will be a great student of yours. And so my parents drove me up to Cal uh, Los Angeles um, to meet Merle Johnson. And um, that was an experience in itself. Uh, but I won't bore you with the details. The, the point is, Merle didn't teach kids the saxophone. All of Merle's students were professional saxophone players. So I was an outlier. And Merle said, yes, but Merle didn't treat me like a kid. In the first week, the first session on Saturday, I drive up on the bus. I had to take three buses to get to Merle's studio. Went up with my father the first time and then by myself at 11 from that point forward. Hmm. So it was a whole day yeah, for an hour. Merle said to me, um, this is what I want you to do, do it. And he put a book, Close in front of me, which were a whole range of scales. And he had me start to play and he stopped me. He said, no, like this. And he played like this on his tenor saxophone to my alto saxophone. And I did like this. And he said, no, like this. And he did it again. That's what being with Merle for the next nine years was like. Oof. Merle was a absolute perfectionist when it came to studying, practicing, playing the horn. So you might say I had that experience, which is unlike the experience most kids have. Yeah. And I would imagine that experience shaped me considerably. When I would say to a student of mine, no, like this, and then they would do like that. And I would say, no, like this. And I say that to entrepreneurs, to leaders. Yeah. Um, because it's the very same thing. So I think I heard this. I have heard that you are a saxophone player. I have heard a little bit that you learned. I didn't know his name, but learned from someone that had made quite an impression on you. So you're getting into that a little bit. Is it safe to say, or did, did Merrill, or maybe you've said this about Merrill, that basically in and through that process with him, practicing, et cetera, yep. did Merrill see something in the fact that like music will find you? And if so, what did he mean by that? What he meant is that you do the work and the music shows up. Hmm. Meaning you don't start to play music you start to do the work. 
And so the entire exercise with Merle was doing the work. Yeah. Practicing, 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 practicing. As far as Merle was concerned, um, one should practice all day. Yeah. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, on an interview, one said, when they asked him, so how did you become who you are? He said, when I went to the gym, I didn't go for an hour. I went for six to eight hours a day. Oof. And he said, wow, nobody does that. Yeah. That was Merle. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, so Michael, based on that, then the importance of practice, that's one of my glaring takeaways. I'll tell you from this, I hear from so many people talking about practice. Yeah, I know I need to put in the time. Now this could be on their personal discovery journey. It could be within their business journey, but it's monotonous. It's, it's boring. It's like, what would you say to someone that says, yeah, I know I need to put in the time to work on myself, to take care of myself, to take care of my business, to be more on point with my business. But, and I see value in it, but it's just, it becomes a little boring. Like, what would you say yeah, to that? That's one huge generalization. You understand it wasn't practice everything. Yeah. It was practice this. And so practice the script. So your leader um, prepares to speak to um, his people, her people, prepares to speak to a prospective partner, prepares to speak to the bank, prepares to speak to a consumer. Well, preparing to speak means in Merle's lexicon, preparing to speak this. Yeah. yeah. You understand there's always this. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with most in quotes, presumed leaders, and the unfortunate thing about most presumed leaders is they're not, is that there is no this. And so when I speak about McDonald's, for an example, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, The Founder. No, I've, I've not, but uh, keep, yeah, yeah, keep going. Watch that movie. It's an interesting movie because for one thing that I'm going to describe, the McDonald brothers um, created the script called, they called it the dance for how the kids worked inside McDonald's. And they did it outside on a basketball court with chalk. And they wrote like this, like this, and they erased, and they did it like this, like this, and they erased, and they did it like this. You, you follow me? The yeah. script. The script to Ray Kroc was God. It isn't that for most leaders. For most leaders, there is no script. And so when I think about leading, leading what? You suddenly come face to face with the conversation about what I'm here to lead. And that isn't a generalization that word, that's in highly specific 
process that one must practice. So we don't find many leaders practicing much. I'm saying I learned that from Merle. I'll tell you, I, I can't help it as I'm listening to you to go back to people in my life. And maybe some of our viewers, some of our listeners are thinking of the impact that Merrill had on you. And we can't help but go back and think of maybe a person packaged in an unusual way that had maybe a similar level of impact on us. Yes. Um, that's helped us as a human being. That's helped us as yes. a working professional, business owner, entrepreneur, et cetera. You know, Michael, I want to ask you about, oftentimes you'll talk about, which I love this, in order to transform yourself, you need to transcend yourself. What are you talking about with that? Well, you know the expression that I created years and years and years ago. Work on it, not in it. Yeah. Well, that comes to one's self. Work on yourself. If you're ever going to be transforming yourself, in yourself and so you have to distance yourself as opposed to identify with yourself and to the degree you're capable of distancing yourself it's transcending yourself looking down from above you're incapable of transforming yourself because you can't see yourself Hmm. from a distance and it's that seeing oneself from a distance uh, that is so critical to true transformation so how do you do that because i'm thinking that that sounds i mean that's brilliant i mean but how do you go about doing that practically i find that so many people and i've been like this in the past i've gotten a whole lot better in recent years but so many get people get caught up and how they're feeling and what they're currently going through in that moment. It's a difficult season. It's a trying season. Even though they want to have greater self-awareness, they find it difficult to have that higher perspective on themselves and those around them. So what practical advice would you give a person, a business leader that wants to be more on point with that, more present with transcending themselves only to transform themselves? Um, the very thing that we started this conversation out with, um, it's something to practice. Mm -hmm. So understand when you intentionally organize yourself in a way that says transcend yourself, look down on yourself, what do you see? What's missing in this picture? You're suddenly looking at yourself in identically the same way as you're looking at your company, at Jerry, at Judy, at Jim, at John, at a functionality, at a process. And it takes practice. Mm -hmm. So you know the expression, practice makes perfect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Merle said, no, like this. And so a leader needs someone to say, no, like this. And that provides that secondary approach to what most often is personal. 
how to depersonalize my relationship with myself is a critically fundamental question uh, related to mastery. Mm -hmm. So when I hear a great saxophone player, say Stan Getz or Sonny Rollins, um, all of these of the past, and I say that and they're all gone. But when I hear them, I hear that distance implicit in their genius. And it's that distance implicit in their genius that I'm suggesting every leader must practice, develop to the point where it works as opposed to I do. You know, Michael, you had Meryl as young as 11, it sounds like, and you've had other people in your life as well, uh, whether it be on the family front, business front, to accompany you, to help you with that practice. And as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah, it requires, what you're talking about requires this transcendence so transformation can really kick in, the help of others in our life to raise the chin, to look at ourselves and others out of a much different place. So for me, it speaks to the need for community. It speaks for the need of help along the way. Any words of wisdom you want to share as it relates to community along the way? Maybe others that have meant a lot to you, that have been really invaluable to you, and or just words of wisdom you want to offer to our listeners, our viewers today on the importance of community along the way in the area of practice. Well, I would would say that... um, Every single one of us must find that. And the only way we will find that is to look for that. Now, that sounds ridiculously like a platitude. But hear me, until I look for that, that someone, that something that some book, that some thinker, that some creator who breaks through the barrier that I, we have developed over time, until I seek that, um, I'll never truly find that. Yeah. And I'm saying that every leader must. And that means a higher voice. Mm-hmm. A higher voice could be a rabbi. A higher voice could be a, a meditation teacher. A higher voice could be a yoga practitioner. A higher voice, a higher voice, a higher voice. A voice within one who is disconnected from himself, herself, his subjective self. And it's identified an objectivity that raises us to a completely new level of performance. Yeah. Every single one of us need that. Yeah. I'll you tell know. you, I, I know I've needed it and I've sought it out to your point. And you know, oftentimes say that you knock, you seek, you knock, and the door will be open. How hungry are we? You know, as we're listening to Michael today, I know I'm listening to him, and we're like, yes. Yes and amen, but how hungry are we to go after it? 
to find that person of greater influence, to find that pastor, that rabbi, that teacher, uh, that coach, that meditation instructor that will help raise our head, our level of consciousness, so we can actually begin to see our, ourselves and others out of a completely different place. So, Michael, thank you for that. And uh, I, I do. Yeah, please. And, and, and understand what you're looking for is not how to do this better. You're looking for how to rise above yourself. You're looking for how to become other than how I am. And to become other than how I am means to become an objective reality that right now I have no connection with or only a fleeting connection with. And I'm looking for someone who will trigger that. So when Merle said, no, not like this, like this, no, not like that, like this. When Merle said, so play that for me, play that for me, play that for me, play that for me. When he watched me from the outside as I played from the inside, something, Remarkable happened. And that is the music showed up. And when the music showed up with Merle, there in his studio, Merle would say, stop. He had recorded it. He would make a call. And I never knew then who he was calling. He said, listen to this. And then he hung up. Mm. And the one he called was a great saxophone player, a great musician. Merle was saying, listen to this. And that message was transmitted to me that something important just happened. The music showed up. It played. I didn't. You follow me? Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. Loud and clear, the music followed you. You didn't have to go after it with all this unhealthy strategy. Practice, 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 practice. Yeah, yeah. Without any understanding what was about to happen. Michael, did you... As a young, as a boy, and you're learning about something's happening deep within you where the music is finding you, far beyond playing the saxophone, mind you, as we know, we're talking about something entirely, you know, I like to say God used the, max, uh, the, the saxophone so that dot, 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 you could in time have the influence in the millions of lives of people and entrepreneurs all over the world. At that time as 11, soon to be teenage boy, what was really happening to you? Because I'm a grown man, 45, and I'm like, that's something really deep-seated that Merle was tearing you. Honestly, uh, Rob, not a clue. Yeah. Yeah. Not a clue. I didn't start this work until late in my life. Um, I was 40 before I even was introduced to the subject of business. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't interested in business. 
until a, a great friend asked me to go with him to one of his clients. That great friend had an advertising agency. And he asked me if I'd go to one of his clients who was having difficulty converting the leads that the advertising was creating into sales. My response to my friend, his name is Ace. He is still is my friend. He's my brother-in-law. Oh, great. Um, I said, Ace, <laughs> why me? Yeah. I don't know anything about, this was in Silicon Valley. I, have, I don't know anything about high tech. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly don't know anything about business. <laughs> and Ace said to me, Michael, you know more than you think you do. Just do me a favor and let's go visit Bob and let's see what happens. That was the beginning. I sat with Bob. Bob asked me, what do you know about my business? Nothing, Bob. What do you know about my product? Less than that, Bob. <laughs> wow. How can you help me? Having a clue. Ace things I <laughs> Right, right. We have an hour to kill. Let's find out. And so I began to ask Bob questions. And I began to realize that all of Bob's answers were anecdotal. And the more questions I asked, the more anecdotal they got. And it suddenly came to me, now I understand why. Bob didn't have a selling system. I learned how to sell selling encyclopedias door to door. Okay. And the way I learned how to sell encyclopedias door to door is the sales manager said, here, memorize this 15 minute script and come back tomorrow and let me hear it. Well, I'd memorize music. So it was no big thing memorizing the script. So I went home and I memorized that script. It came back the next day and I said it the words. And he said, hear me. No, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> like this. Merle. <laughs> there you go. There's Merle's voice again. No, not like that, like this. And he said the same words his way. <laughs> and then he had me do that. And then he said, you got it. Now go home and memorize this. And it was the next 15 minutes and so forth and so forth and so forth. Yeah. So I learned about a selling system mm -hmm. in the very first days of my selling on the street. Um, Bob hadn't learned yeah. about that. Bob hired sales engineers. Why? They needed to be engineers to understand the product. And they need to have sales experience to be able to sell it. Yeah. But he had no clue what the hell they were doing out there. No, no. No clue. It became obvious to me he didn't. It became obvious to me he needed more than a clue. He needed a method. Hmm. And he said to me, well, can you create that? I said, sure. In my... Sure, sure. You know, and so when Ace came back to pick me up, he said, "So how did it go?" I said, "Well, he hired me." 
There you go, <laughs> to everyone's surprise. The greatest show ever. He said, what? How can you do that? You don't know anything about his business. Sure. You don't know anything about his product. I said, Ace, that's what I told you <laughs> before we came here. And it turns out I knew more than I thought I did. Yeah. That was the beginning of this work. Now understand, I was 39 years old then. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm in a new world. And boom. Yeah. I'll tell you that listening to that story and some of that backdrop, which I was not, I'd never heard before. You know, I've done my homework on you, Michael, but, <laughs> but, but, but part and selfishly, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you today, uh, and it is a little selfish to be honest with you, to spend time with someone that I've admired from afar, but up close as it relates to your philosophy and your ways of life and leadership. But you've made a point loud and clear today let the music find you and that's going to come in and through practice 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 and you might just surprise yourself that you might just know some more about life and leadership than you ever even thought were possible that was your story and here here you were able to turn your story into impacting people throughout the course of the last 40 plus years so i just want to say thank you for the time you spent with me today our oh audience God. today. If there's any like parting words that you want to share in light of our conversation or completely off the grid of what we've talked about, what would you say? Well, understand that everything I just shared with you um, was turned into a system. And that system is the emith system. So when Rob says that I'm not just speaking about stuff, I'm speaking about a practical methodology. Unless and until it turns into a practical methodology, it's a complete waste of time. So that transformation from the subjective to the objective means the transformation from somewhat to something. And at the heart of that something is your leadership strategy, your leadership system, your leadership approach to everything you're here to create. Yeah, brilliant, 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 Michael. Thank you so much. And hey, I, I want to ask you this before we let you go. If people want to find out more about you, I know we can go to michaelgerbercompanies.com. Any other better ways to connect with you? Well, they can connect with me directly at Michael at michaelegerber.com. Okay. So, Michael at michaelegerber.com. How easy is that? Yeah, it doesn't get much easier than that, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, and also too, I wanna to encourage everyone, if you have not come across Michael's e-myth philosophy, read the books. He has nine, I don't know if you have more than nine books at this particular time, but at last I checked, it was nine. Is it more than nine? There are 32 now. Okay, with thir- I'm a little off, Michael, I must say, 9 to 32. <laughs> Listen, I think we'd agree there's a lot of e-myth resources out there. I have found that the e-myth revisited for me was one of the most impactful and foundational resources. I want to encourage you to buy the book and encourage you to buy any one of Michael's books. If they were to start at any point with learning more about uh, your philosophy, the e-myth philosophy, what book would you recommend? 
the E-Myth Revisited, okay. why yeah. most small businesses don't work and what to do about it, um, absolutely key, and or beyond the E-Myth, okay. the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000. Perfect. Great. Well, listen, Michael, I want to say thank you and formally and publicly, thanks for being with us. Total joy and honor uh, personally, and I know so many others that have listened and viewed this have benefited greatly. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ralph. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hey, so a special th thanks to Michael for joining us, as well as today, a special thanks to Auto Conversion, uh, sponsoring the Inside Out Leadership Show and Podcast. I've been utilizing Auto Conversion since 2017. If you are a content producer, you may consider yourself an author, a speaker, a content producer in your own right. Please reach out to AutoConversion. Uh, go to autoconversion.net. Look at all the amazing resources that I've utilized over the last four plus years to get me to where I am today with my PR and marketing strategy. You will become better for it as a human being and as a working professional. So I want to, again, special thanks to Michael for joining us today. Thank you to Auto Conversion. And thank you, each and all of you, taking time out of your precious day-to-day -to, -day to spend time with us. With uh, no further delay, I'm going to let you go. My name's Rob Holman on behalf of Inside Out Leadership. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Hi, this is Rob Holman. I've had the joy and the honor to be a professional keynote speaker for over the last 20 years. This has resulted in me being an international, in high demand, and top dollar speaker. Now it's time to share my proven tips and strategies with you to help you get what you're worth to speak. If you're an aspiring speaker or seasoned speaker looking to get paid more to speak, please join my world-class speaker community today. Our new community kicks off soon, so register today as spots are limited. And for more information and to register, go to www.robholman.com forward slash GPS.